0: Campfire Conversation Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. Ask almost anybody who's been to summer camp, whether they be kids or staff members, and they'll tell you it is awesome. They will also tell you through their words, but mostly through their actions, that they learn a ton while there, too. As a longtime camp director, youth sport coach, and father to three growing young men, I know the lessons that we learn at camp can be hugely beneficial for all of us back home in the real world. So, Each week, I'll spend some time around the digital campfire talking with professionals from inside and around the summer camp world. We'll share their lessons, their ideas, and their practices in a way that I hope will be immediately useful for your life back home. So, pull up a seat, get your marshmallow ready to roast, and let's spend some time learning together around the campfire. I met Dr. Dan Wolfson after reading an article he had written named, Having Hard Conversations at Camp, Why Tone Matters. It was a great read and a reminder for our team and, frankly, for myself as well. His background at camp, eight years as a camper, six summers as a staff member, and many more summers as a trainer, certainly interests me. But it was his profession and the work he's been doing with the highly regarded, experienced camps that made me want to learn more. In the small world category, by the way, it also turns out that Dr. Dan's sister was one of our campers many years ago. I've listened to this conversation a few times, each time wearing one of my different hats, a parent, a camp director, and also as a husband and a son. We talk about the joy of camp. We talk about the importance of relationships, of naming our anxieties, of having grief being a part of our lives, and then we get back to camp. There are so many different pieces that have impacted me, and I believe it will be just as useful and thought-provoking for you as well. I'm excited for you to enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with my new friend, Dr. Dan Wolfson. (laughs) Dr. Dan Wolfson, I'm so happy to have you around the campfire.
1: Thank you. I'm looking forward to being around a campfire.
0: (laughs) Well, you have grown up and you continue to spend a lot of your summers around uh, the campfire, even though you spend most of your time um, working with children and and young adults and, and adults
1: from a psychological standpoint, but you grew up at camp. That's correct. Yeah, I uh, I first uh, went up to, to Camp Manitou in, in 1995 as a as a nine year old and spent uh, spent eight summers there as a camper and then and then six summers there as a staff member and have found my way to to be able to stay involved with the summer camp world uh, as my career continues through through experience camps and doing some consulting with with some other organizations working with Camp Caribou as well. So I feel really fortunate to to still be able to find myself involved with camp after all these years.
0: That's amazing. So did, was your time as a counselor, or I guess a camper, but definitely a counselor, how much impact did that have on, on what career path you chose?
1: yeah honestly i I think it was pretty big. I, I was thinking about about that a little bit before before the call. I think one of the really unique opportunities you get as a as a counselor and certainly as you stay involved with camp and get to rise into some leadership positions through um you know pro color war and that type of stuff and being i was a division leader for a number of years, mm-hmm. just getting that leadership experience, getting public speaking experience, i think was really big for me just getting comfortable, you know, standing up in front of a group and working collaboratively, working as a part of a team. Um, And for me, you know, it's a little bit unique going into psychology. I actually felt like you know, I, I hope that most people in most careers are able to recognize how summer camp can look good on a resume. But mm-hmm. for me in particular, that was really excellent, just direct clinical experience, you know, working with kids. So I got to stay, stay involved going to camp for, for a number of years, I think a little bit longer than some of my peers were able to stay around. Because when mm-hmm. I was in grad school, I'd have the summers off, get to go back to camp and, and be a unit leader in, in a leadership position up there. Um, so I, I felt really fortunate to to just start to get to develop some of that supervisory managerial experience that you don't always get kind of in your 20s.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great place to have that experiential learning uh, because it is a safe place to, to get some of those initial skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it, it is funny, you know, sitting here talking with you. I, The day before visiting day, you know, when all the parents show up at camp, we pull all of our staff members outside the dining hall uh, for, and of course the kids are covered by the older staff, but we pull all of our our bunk counselors out and we talk about the do's and the don'ts about visiting day and whatnot, you know, don't accept tips, you know, smile, all the stuff you, you normally do. But we also make a point to say, remember, you're not a psychologist. You're okay. not going to diagnose, and yet right. here
1: you are. You are a psychologist. <laughs> I am. I am. Although I wasn't then. I wasn't then. <laughs> yeah, I guess I was. I was on the way. But that's that is that is a good point. Yeah.
0: yeah. How is it? You know, now that you've had the, your training and your experience, looking back on your time as, as a counselor. Mm-hmm. What does that make you think I mean, if you look across the kids and the other staff members, frankly, yeah. you say, "Wow, I wish I' had known this then. like what are some of the things you know now you wish you had known
1: as as a older camper or as a as a staff member yeah, I mean, I guess one of the things that just jumps out to me that I think really informed my career and that I guess i feel a little more solid in my thinking around is just that importance of relationships. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's something that I naturally gravitated towards and, and, the enabled me to be successful in a camp environment is just recognizing how your work is optimized by really putting your focus into relationship building and into getting to know people, um, you know, whether that's bringing in the kids in a cabin who might not naturally Click as well. You know, the kids who might not be as extroverted or sporty or, or whatever it might be being able to bring them into the fold a little bit more. Certainly these days, I see a lot of it's it's hard to transition to a camp environment for someone who hasn't been there before. So these first year counselors, whether, you know, they're domestic or coming in from overseas, but who haven't been in that environment before. I think they hold a lot of anxiety and just feeling like there's a solid landing place in those relationships can really help to alleviate that. Mm-hmm. Um- So again, I think that that's a focus that kind of naturally evolved for me, um, you know, and and probably led me to my career in in a lot of ways. But it's one of those things that just feels so important now. And so now when I'm talking with camp directors or or doing orientation sessions, conversations like this, I just think really putting the focus on relationship building, on getting to know people, helping people feel comfortable, it's just going to... It just builds the community you're trying to build. It's going to make everyone feel better and, and feel more connected.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, I talked with Dr. Uh, Tina Bryson uh, last week, and she just mm-hmm. talked about the same thing. Start with a relationship. Start mm-hmm. there, and you can really move from there. But if you honor and you tr- you know try to feed that that relationship what it needs, mm-hmm. then everybody else is going to be more open to whatever else comes next. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think one of the other things just I'm thinking about as we're talking, um, you know, kind of looking back. I think now my my understanding of behaviors and behavioral difficulties has definitely shifted. Right. Okay. All right. So uh, enlighten me. How so? Yeah.
0: No. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell me how. Tell me what I'm to sure do.
1: Sure, <laughs> you see it. You know, in leadership positions at camp, whether or or for counselors in the bunk, there. Are kids who can be difficult, right? There's no way around it. Kids can have a hard time. They might, they might not be listening, they might be picking on one another. And I think it's easy to get distracted by that behavior that's in your face and to respond to that behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, I hope I did an okay job of this as, as a younger counselor, but I think it's, it's easy to get frustrated and to, to be reactive. Right? right Versus kind of slowing yourself down and asking yourself you know where's this behavior coming from and and what is this kid's need mm-hmm. and I, I think what is so beautiful to see evolving in the camping industry is just those conversations around underlying um contributing factors to behavioral difficulties, right? That anxiety, that, that those social difficulties, right? Maybe it's executive functioning or or attentional difficulties Mm -hmm. and recognizing that kids aren't inherently bad kids. Everyone wants to get along. Everyone wants to connect, but Mm -hmm. that's harder for some kids than it is for others, right? Um, So being able to ask myself, what is the unmet need? of this child, right? Before just kind of responding and getting mad at the kid for not doing what they're being asked, right? Sure. And
0: and I can see that being such a wonderful question to ask whether you're a camp counselor, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a coach, whether you're frankly a parent, you know, if you can look there and say, "Alright, what does he what does she need in this moment and how can I help?" Because
1: mm-hmm. there's
0: always something underneath the behavior that's driving right. that along.
1: Yeah. And that's where I always try to lead with curiosity, right? We say don't mm. make assumptions. I think if you can start with a frame of openness and, and being conversational as, as opposed to jumping to a conclusion of what contributed to a situation, right, and just ask questions and, and you're going to get to know so much more about what's going on for a camper. You're going to make them feel more comfortable opening up. And, and that ties into our other conversation about relationships, right? Then wow. that that camper is going to feel more connected and more understood by you. And that's going to go so far in understanding and resolving whatever type of situation you might be dealing with.
0: Sure. For, for a child and a young adult, how aware do you think they are of those outbursts and those situations? I
1: think kids are, are, are pretty aware because they mm-hmm. they know when something's not going well. And I think sure. that that's something that can be hard to verbalize or that can be hard to, to kind of express or take ownership of. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that can lead to almost a doubling down of, of feeling bad about themselves right? because everyone wants to get along with the bunk, to get along with that counselor in the cabin and, um, and I think kids recognize when they struggle and that can be really, really disappointing for them as well. Mm-hmm. So, so, again, being able to show some empathy and show some acceptance and, and teach a kid self-compassion, right? right. This, this doesn't mean you're a bad kid. We all struggle. We all get emotional sometimes. We all get frustrated. That's okay. Let's see how we can work our way through it and learn from it.
0: Absolutely. What would be some of of your tips or or ideas or things for for families to talk about with their children, that when you get into the situation, you know, because Mm -hmm. everybody's going to feel anxiety going to campus. Some kids have a lot, some kids have a little, some kids with a lot handle it beautifully. Some with a little don't, Mm -hmm. you know, what are some, some techniques or things that you talk with families to say, this is something that could be useful for your child as they go on that ramp up of anxiety to, to
1: recognize it and bring themselves back down. Yep, yep. Um, I mean, a few things. A few things come to mind. I think one of the first things is naming it. Right? Mm-hmm. We um, we often feel like our internal voice, our internal monologue, is is, is fact right and and the truth is it's not there's thoughts and if we had someone following us around saying critical things we'd say get away from us i don't want to spend time with this (laughs) negative voice that's following me around and telling me i can't do something or i'm not going to be successful we probably wouldn't listen to that person or spend much time with it but Mm -hmm. the truth is anxiety can feel like that so You know, especially with with younger kids, I think we talk a lot about kind of this like almost naming anxiety as a bully and saying this is something you can talk back to and you don't have to, to listen to it. Right? Yeah. Um, being able to challenge those thoughts. So, a big part of that is the awareness. And I think parents can be really helpful in working with kids and identifying it and naming it. And naming it is something like this isn't all of you. This is, this is a fear that you're having. This is mm-hmm. a voice, but we can challenge that and work through that together and let it be something that we can talk back to.
0: Right. Yeah. I was just I finished reading a book called Awareness by Anthony DeMillo. Uh, Tony DeMillo? I Anyway, he's um, he same thing as the psychologist talked about the separation between the I and the me, yeah. and the idea that you know Cole is feeling you know impatience right now. or Cole is feeling anxiety right now. You would try to name that and say it's a part of me, but it's not the it's not all of me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that was kind of an interesting way to look at Almost like you're looking at yourself from the outside in
1: and saying, Mm -hmm. okay, how are we going to handle this going forward? Yeah, yeah. And it's so important to identify that and and also be able to take the pause, right, And, Mm and kind of slow yourself down. I think it's something at any age we're all trying to work on. You know, there's so much research being done around mindfulness these mm-hmm. days and, and just being able to slow down. And the first step is recognizing our thoughts, right? We can't challenge it if we don't recognizing it, if, excuse mm-hmm. me, if we don't recognize it. Mm-hmm. Um, so helping to take that beat right. Um, and, and slow ourselves down and really ask ourselves what's going on. Um, you know, I, I, think one of the other things that the parents, and honestly the camp counselors can do as well is act as that, kind of um, calming force for kids and being Mm -hmm. that calming presence, right? When we're stirred up, when we're upset about something, whether that's anger, sadness, anxiety, whatever it is, we're not thinking rationally, right? Right. Um, And so I talk a lot with families about this idea of co-regulation. It comes so naturally to parents when we have little kids. If a baby's crying, you soothe them with your voice. You don't try to be logical. You don't talk back. (laughs) The crying, right? Unless you're doing that in a calm and soothing way, or you're just at your wits' end, but that's a, sure. that's a different yeah. story, right? Yep. <laughs> but, but, right, we naturally use our presence and our tone to soothe a child, and that principle applies throughout life um Mm -hmm. and again so thinking about the energy that we're bringing to conversations is going to help get a kid back online so then all of a sudden they're able to engage in the rational conversation because the truth is they can't do it when they're all stirred up
0: right yeah you can't it's either you're in a responsive state or a reactive state right and if you're reactive you you, you know you really can't function Mm
1: mm-hmm Mm -hmm. Interesting, Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, camp counselors have to recognize that about themselves too. If you're, you know, upset in the heat of the moment by whatever it is, that's not the time to be having a disciplinary conversation, right? You've got to kind of like take your own beat and and take five and take a pause and, and catch your breath before you're going to enter into an interaction with a camper, right? Because otherwise you're just both going to be stirring each each other up and, and kind of running into the fire.
0: Absolutely. So, one of the things that I'm I, looking and doing a little bit of research before I spoke to you, you you do a lot of work with cognitive behavioral therapy, correct?
1: Yeah, that's definitely a, a component of my practice.
0: And and if explain this, I might be wrong on this, but my understanding is. Really, in some ways, you're trying to get on the other side of the anxiety or the fear really by experiencing it slowly but surely and more and more so that by the end, you've kind of built up that, Mm. that, that toughness or, or being able to deal with whatever that was causing you the fear. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I think what you're talking about here is that idea of exposure. Um, Right, so exposure therapy in some ways. Okay. Yeah, and and just showing yourself that you actually can handle whatever it is the thing that we feel fearful or anxious about. Um, The truth is avoidance actually makes anxiety a lot worse. You know, Mm. you and I were were talking and emailing a little bit about some of the ways that that camp can build up resilience and strengths in. And I think one of the biggest things is in a camp environment, kids have to face things, right? <laughs> they don't have a parent there to knock down a barrier that's in front of them, right? They're not getting called out of class or have an excuse written for them or or whatever it might be. You're really, you're in the environment and you're you're adjusting and adapting and reacting to it in real time. And I think that's really building up a muscle. It's, it's showing myself that, you know what, I might. Have a conflict with this bunkmate, but they're still my bunkmate for the next few, <laughs> right? And, and we're going to have to resolve this together. I'm not just going to be able to avoid them. I might not want to do a certain activity, um, but the truth is, it's here. And I think by, I think that we are all a lot more resilient and, than we give ourselves credit for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the the biggest things, and, and that's so important. It, it goes back to that idea of talking back to the anxiety. Also, is just allowing yourself to be exposed to that situation. And with that, the anxiety immediately comes down. That fear immediately comes down. It's just never as bad as what we make it out to be.
0: Right. And I think that it seems like the counselors who really get that for the kids or in the classroom, a teacher or a coach or whoever it might be, if they understand that that process and they're standing alongside that kid and say, hey, I'm here, but you can do this. Mm Mm-hmm that's such a powerful connection, I find, uh, and really one that parents sometimes really even can't do because they're they're the wrong messenger.
1: Right. Or the parents are so invested. You know, we're obviously, as, as a teacher, a counselor, certainly as a therapist, I'm invested and I'm rooting for the kids uh, that I'm working with, of course, as well. Mm-hmm. But I think Parents are just so emotionally attached that it can be really, they feel their child's anxiety so deeply that it can be really hard to set that aside Um, because they don't want to see their kid uncomfortable. And sometimes the truth is kids need to be uncomfortable and they need to be exposed to difficult situations and see that they can handle it. Right. Um, so i really work with parents on like we said we can name that something's hard we can name that something's uncomfortable for a kid and we can say i'm so sorry you're feeling that way that must be really hard but we don't want to try to take it away for them
0: got it well and you know that leads me to i mean lots of different ways but one of the things i think about is that Kids who have a hard time at camp, they're they're still at camp, you know. It's, okay. <laughs> on the on the scale of things. We're not talking about real major difficult things. Ninety nine point nine percent of the times, so odds are I mean, there are certainly tragic situations that do happen at camps, you know, across the country from time to time. Uh, but on the vast majority, we're talking about really low levels of of issues. Uh-huh. But yet, they still have to go through them because that then builds up. Yeah, but yet you work with experience camps where Mm -hmm. you're helping young people go through major losses. Can, can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah. So, so I I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, Just to give a little background experience camps runs one week overnight camps for kids who have experienced a significant death loss. So typically a parent or sibling Um, and it's we, we come from the camp world. We're running a, a camp program at, at beautiful summer camps around the country. Um, and the goal is, is really for, yes, these kids are holding a lot and they've experienced tragedy and they've experienced trauma. Um, and so we understand that and we want to have supports that are there in place to, to help them with whatever emotional challenges might come up. Um, again, understanding some of the behaviors or some of the difficulties adjusting to the environment or to the conversations that we see are likely impacted by that. Um, But the truth is that kids are still kids and we still want to believe in their ability to be held accountable for different behavioral expectations. Um, We want to give them the opportunity to engage in totally normative um, camp activities and and have fun and have fun with peers and recognize, yes, I've had this experience happen to me, but that doesn't make me broken in some kind Mm -hmm. of a way. And I think really that's one of our biggest messages is just that idea of resilience and hope and that this is something that, is an ongoing part of our lives. No one's taking grief away, Mm -hmm. um, but it's a part of your story. It it doesn't have to define you.
0: Oh, I love that idea. It's being a part of the story. Mm -hmm. How do kids... How do kids find you? I mean, how how do families find? Because there are a number of different exp, you know experience camps around the country, correct? Yeah.
1: So this summer we're going to be running at at five locations. We've got our program um, up in Maine, which is where we started. We've been running up there since two thousand nine. So most kids from kind of the New England region Boston, New mm-hmm. Hampshire, Vermont um, end up there. Um, we're in Pennsylvania, where we've got campers coming from throughout the tri state area. Um and then we're down in Georgia and Michigan and in California as well. Um, so it's it's been really exciting to get to watch this organization grow from less than thirty campers in two thousand nine um, to this summer. I know last summer we had over seven hundred campers. I think this summer we'll probably have closer to nine hundred nationally. Um, and we really we do our best to partner. Uh, with local organizations, um, mm-hmm. so hopefully some of our listeners. The truth is that there's there's kids in every community that have been at, impacted by loss and, and can benefit from an organization like this. Um, so I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners are, are thinking about their own local communities there. We're always happy to connect with guidance counselors, with therapists, um, with local peer-based support groups, and, and just trying to spread the word of, of this resource. Um, it is a camp that's offered entirely free to families, um, kind of regardless of socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the truth is that the grief impacts every, every community. So we feel really proud to, to be able to, to offer this and, and share that resource.
0: That's an amazing thing you guys are doing. How is it? I mean, I, I know it's a very large staff population that, that works with uh, the young people that go. Do you have to do much counseling with the, the counselors, the people at the end? Because I imagine they're processing through so much as well.
1: Absolutely. And the truth is, a large percentage of our, our staff volunteer population, our, our volunteer cabin counselors, um, have been impacted by grief as well. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things that draws a lot of people to want to volunteer for this organization is, is they've been through it, they've, they've been connected to it. It's certainly not a qualifier, and, and we have plenty of staff where, where that's not the case. Um, but we do want to acknowledge that the people are going to be holding a lot. Um, So we of course have, have pre-camp webinars and, and, um, or, and we, you know, kind of calls and and training um, or we've got uh, an orientation at camp before the kids get there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we also want to provide resources for the staff during the week. Um, So we've got, you know, our, I mentioned our team of volunteer cabin counselors, then there's also a, a team of clinicians at every camp. So every cabin is a, assigned a clinician, a psychologist, a social worker, who facilitates um, the clinical programming Um, and where there's resources for our staff as well. Again, you know, you can't take care of a camper if you're not taking care of yourself. Um, You know, sometimes we'll, we'll have a clinical activity. We'll have a sharing circle goes for about 50 minutes. And then the kid's next activity is, you know, whatever it might be, say it's, it's arts and crafts. Right. And, and so the kids, they've had their 50 minutes, they're done. They're ready to kind of (laughs) put this away and get on to the next activity. And the staff, holding it in a deeper right. way. They want to stay back and, and have some time talking to the clinician. And we're absolutely there for that as well. Um, again, I think it's a it's a hugely meaningful and, and fulfilling experience for staff to be a part of. I, I can say personally, you know, a big part of what led me to the line of work that I do and to my work with experience camps is, is my mom died when I was a freshman in college. Um, and then a few years later, I was already studying psychology and I found out that that Manitou where, where I grew up was, was getting involved in, in starting this, um, this nonprofit camp for kids who ex- had experienced loss. So it was just such a beautiful blending of worlds for me. And, and I have grown so much personally through that process and being able to kind of get more in touch with my grief, being able to support kids who are going through it. Um, the truth is there's, there's nothing more fulfilling than, in helping others. And I think when we can really be honest and draw from our own personal experience, just talk about, you know, deepening the connection with, with people you're working with. And, Mm -hmm. and it's um, just a really powerful thing to be, to be a part of.
0: That's amazing. I'm so happy you're able to, to give based on your, your experience and your knowledge. That's, that's pretty fantastic. How, how should people approach grief? Because it's it's not something that we really talk about much in, in the world, It's certainly not something we talk about much at, at camp. Um, it, but yet, it's it's a natural part of our lives. How how you know? I remember studying the, the seven stages from the was a yeah. Ross yeah. Uh, when I was going through my my master's program. But wh- how would you talk to families or talk to people? And say you know, as you're going through grief this is what you can expect. And, and this is, and I know it affects everybody differently. So I know we're just kind of talking sure. broad brushes. Know, but, how much
1: time do we have? Yeah. A while. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I appreciate the question. I, I mean, I think the truth is you named, we don't talk about it much. I think that's really one of the first problems. Yeah. Um, we want to make the space for this. Um, as you said, grief is a normative process. This isn't something that's pathological. We all have the ability to cope with and adapt to loss. Mm -hmm. With that being said, grief impacts us in profound ways, right, especially for a kid. It's not the norm for other kids in their classroom to have gone through that, right? Just developmentally at their age, about 5% of kids under 18 will have lost a parent. So that's about one in every classroom, right? Mm -hmm. We know how much kids wanna feel connected, to others, they want to feel normal. They want to fit in. That's so central to adolescence. And so then you've got grief. is this really isolating experience. And, and so we want to help kids feel connected and to make the space for it. Um, I think one of the things that's really important to know about grief is it's different than depression, right? Uh, sadness is, of course, a part of grief. Mm-hmm. But actually, one of the things that helps us adapt is also... Uh, staying engaged with the world around us and doing fulfilling activities and and starting to develop the idea that this has happened to me and I can still lead a life that is meaningful and I can experience joy. So one of the big things about working with grief and, and something we try to do at camp is we model and facilitate this kind of back and forth, this oscillation between going towards the grief and going towards the sadness and experiencing And acknowledging the loss itself and everything that comes with that, and then also giving yourself some space from it, right? And letting yourself connect to others and have positive experiences as well. And it's kind of that back and forth that is that is so impactful and important in what we call this process of adaptation to loss.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah Uh, is that is that helpful?
0: Yeah, it's very helpful. I think that you know I, I experienced um, a very close friend of mine uh, unfortunately he was killed in a a terrible accident when I was in fifth grade. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about with our parents and I, I don't remember talking about with anybody else, but that, that I still remember that very vividly. You know, he was not my brother, but was kind of like a brother. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I remember it being just very scary, but yet something that we never really spoke a lot about, Mm -hmm. um, except in very specific situations. And, I remember those coming out of those situations being really emotional, but also feeling better because we had spoken about it. So yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the truth is I'll sometimes hear parents say, you know, I don't want to bring up the loss at home because I don't want to upset the kids. They feel like they're doing fine. And the kids will say, I don't really want to bring it up because I don't want to upset my parents. They feel like they're doing okay. And then all of a sudden, no one's bringing it up and no one's talking about it, even though People are thinking about it and feeling it. So again, I think one of the biggest things we can do, whether it's as caregivers or as um, you know professionals who are working with kids, is to name it and make the space for it, and to to really you know be a kind of a model in saying like it's okay to be feeling the way you're feeling. It's okay to be talking about it, and and let's make the space for that, and to show that of course I have uh, emotions and feelings around this also. Um, and it lets the kid know that, that that's okay. And there's nothing unhealthy about, about what they're feeling.
0: That's fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. I I really appreciate something that when I had a chance to know, I was going to get to speak to you. I I really wanted to learn a little bit about that. I know, like you said, it's a, it's a, well, we can go down for a very, very long time. Um, but let's shifting back to kind of the the happier fun moments of of camp. What would you say are some of the things that now that you are are there not only having been to camp as a camper, as a staff member, as a division head, and now consulting with camps. What are some of the things that you feel like camp, camp does really well that we can do more of back in the real world world
1: for our kids? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think like we started talking about is, Camp exposes kids to a whole wide range of situations, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Where they're going to have the opportunity to navigate conflict. Um, They're going to be exposed to different types of activities. Um, You know, when, I was a kid, I had the opportunity to take fencing at camp. And I realized, like, I kind of like fencing. And I started doing (laughs) lessons at that. I didn't stick with it, but there were a couple years (laughs) where I did that. I started wrestling at summer camp, and I ended up wrestling in high school as well. You're going to get exposed to things that you might not get exposed to Mm -hmm. in your day-to-day life and might not, you know, be willing to try at home. Um, And then all of a sudden, you found a skill, and you found – A place where you can really feel successful about something and and develop develop an interest. And I I think that's so amazing. Um, I think one of the biggest pieces, again, is the socialization piece, right? Um, Where both you're you're with kids your age, you're with older kids. And so there's this social learning that happens Mm -hmm. from being around others. And the truth is now more than ever, we're on screens and kids are interacting through screens, right? Um, and they're, they're texting and whatever it is. And, and that's obviously a way that, that stay, kids are staying connected to each other now and that the world's adapting to. But we still got to be able to have conversations with one another. Um, and, and so I think it's so important just from that, um, that aspect of social development. And, and we, when we think about what we want to be taking home with us, I just think it's all about engagement right? Getting your kids um, involved with, with different activities, with peers, whatever it might be, you know, off the couch, out of the house um, and, and doing things, right? Because that's that's when life is going to happen. That's when you're going to have um, disappointments that you've got to cope with and recognize like, okay, I can handle this. Um, and that's where we start to develop independence. I, I know I've had conversations with my camp friends about transitioning off to college at 18 mm-hmm. and just how much more ready for that we felt because we'd already spent all these summers away from our parents. Right. Um, And, and and I think that that just has huge gains over the course of a kid's life.
0: That's funny. You know, you think about it from standpoint of the exposure therapy we talked about, you've been exposed being away. And frankly, your parents have been
1: exposed to that as well, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure helped them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trust. Have a little bit of trust. The kid's going to come <laughs> home. And we'll, we'll make it through. Maybe a couple, you know, broken bones along the way, but nothing we can't handle.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You know, build, build up that that really good scar tissue you got to have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, wonderful. Well, so if people want to learn more about either anxiety or with dealing with grief, you know, obviously there, there are a lot of good, Resources out there, what are some of your go to's what are some of the things that, that you tell parents listen to this podcast or read this book or read this article or, or is there anything that really pops up like oh that that's a really good resource for families
1: yeah sure um, so you know I will say for for um, adults who might be um, who have kind of experienced grief community is so important in general we're talking about that mm-hmm. I think that's particularly important when it comes to grief right mm-hmm. we talked about the idea of just feeling like there's other people who get it and, and connecting to people through the shared experience. So I'm really big proponent of trying to find different communities for yourself. Um, so, you know, one kind of national website that I recommend is this website, Modern Loss, um, that has different articles about grief and, and, and just really nice um kind of takes on just the reality of different people's experience. They're not trying to sugarcoat it. It's not too academic. It's just really authentic and real. Um, similarly, the book Option B by Cheryl Sandberg, I think it's pretty mm-hmm. fantastic and, and it talks about that idea of adapting to grief and, and resilience. Um, I think that's fantastic. Um, Certainly, you know, Experience Camps is is an excellent um, resource that I'm happy to share. The website there is is www.experience.camp. You know, we do have have a pretty broad reach um, and there are links through our website as well to to different resources um, for Kind of year-round children's bereavement programming. Most mm-hmm. communities have children's peer-based um, support groups. Um, there's an organization called the Dougie Center um, that that runs a lot of of organization of of uh, grief programming nationwide. Um, but you know, seeking out those 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 resources um, in your local community, I, I think can be can be really really important. Awesome.
0: Well, great. Yeah. Well, Dr. Dan, thank you so much for, for taking time and talking camp and, and everything else that goes with it and before and after. Um, it's been awesome listening to, to all you've had to say. So, thank you so much for your time.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. I love that that you're doing this and, and just love that idea of thinking about ourselves back around a campfire before we know it. <laughs> it's, it's coming, which which can't wait to get
0: here soon enough. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, great. Well, thanks so much. Have a great rest of your night. Thank you, Cole. I'm so grateful that Dr. Dan was open to the idea of being around the campfire with me. Meeting someone who has experienced so much at camp and then used it as a launching pad for such important work is really a true gift, especially when that person is so willing to share. It's not often that we talk about grief around the campfire, though, frankly, I don't know that there is a better time or place to discuss something that's so natural than in a place that's really so primal. I really like the ideas about reacting, giving that feeling some space and then naming it so that you can deal with it more effectively. I also love the idea of talking back to those negative inner voices that we all carry around a little too much. We certainly can be our own worst enemy and that's a powerful way to think about it. If you got nothing else from this talk though, I hope it's these two suggestions. First, start with a relationship when working with or teaching or coaching someone. Secondly, realize that Though we have grief, it's only part of our stories. It's not our whole selves. Thanks for taking the time for listening. If you found this conversation useful, I'd ask you to do two things. First, please pass it along to a friend. The lessons of summer camp can be applied to so much in the real world, and our campfire circle is large enough for everybody to join. Secondly, please leave a review on whichever podcast service you're using. More good reviews help these ideas spread. Until we speak again next... Go out there and do good and be good. Thanks again to our friends at SCOPE for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. SCOPE stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. SCOPE campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting Scope. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at supportscope.